0: Good morning, folks, and thank you for listening to Her Story Podcast. Her, H-E-R, is an acronym for Heroic, Empowering, and Resilient, and this is a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and women empowerment podcast. My main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity. Each of us has a story. Maybe it's an illness, a financial burden, or a dead-end job. In general, unforeseen circumstances can make you feel isolated or possibly alone. But when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it's the end of your story. It's within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you are facing today, but they didn't give up. In fact, they used their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships so can you because you are her heroic empowering and resilient good morning good people again it is jay jameson with her story podcast Everyone, this is year three of her story where we are sharing the phenomenal stories of women who are bosses, who are entrepreneurs, who are civic community leaders in their own right. H-E-R is an acronym again for heroic, empowering, and resilient, and we are creating a network of women where we are sharing resources, where we are empowering and encouraging each other. And with all of that being said, there is so much power in storytelling, right? Everyone knows that I am uh, a serious advocate for HBCUs. I absolutely love Southern University and A&M College. And for the past year and a half, I have partnered with an amazing company, the HBCU Experience Movement. We've talked to HBCU Queens. We've talked to prominent alumni. And today, this episode is in partnership with She Is Magazine and the HBCU Experience Movement, the HBCU Band Alumni Edition, okay? So we are... Are not shy or new to being the first. This is the first ever HBCU band edition book, which will release at the end of the month on Amazon. And so I have a phenomenal woman, on this week's episode, Dr. Christy A. Walker, who is a higher education professional head and HBCU advocate. Christy is a native of Hampton, Virginia, earned a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering from North Carolina A&T State University, while she was at a t she played the clarinet in the blue and gold marching machine and in the symphonic band for four years. Christy received a master's degree in higher education administration from Old Dominion University and a doctorate in higher education administration from Northeastern University. She currently serves as the Director of Career Services at Durham Technical Community College in Durham, North Carolina. Without any further ado, Dr. Christy A. Walker. Welcome to Her Story Podcast. How are you this morning? I am awesome. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, as as previously mentioned, it's all about storytelling. It's all about um, the transparency and sharing different experiences to empower and provide resources to others. So, you know, with all that being said, can you just give a little detail about who you are and what you currently do and how that experience has shaped you into who you are today.
1: Sure. So, um, my name is Christy Walker. I'm a higher ed professional and you know, as you just read in my bio, I'm director of career services at a community college in, in North Carolina. Um, I've been in the higher ed industry for over 15 years. Um, I started out as a chemical engineer, so that I'm a chemist chemical engineer and chemist by trade, decided to switch careers and go into education. Um, actually, what one of the things that started that was that I ended up getting a job teaching chemistry at Norfolk State University for two years, so that helped me realize that I like working with college students. I really like working with students in that um, transitional point in their life, I just you know, think it's just a really interesting time of life to be. So the majority of my career has been in higher education and, and helping uh, students to achieve their academic and career goals. And so, you know, I, I'll say that the some of my experiences, you know, just being a product of the HBCU and um, that really gave me my base that I took on through different academic programs and in my career. So, you know, I just learned a lot from my experiences in college that, you know, just different things like, you know, time management and, you know, professionalism and those kinds of things that I carry with me throughout my, my career.
0: Yes, yes. Those shared experiences in college definitely lay the foundation. Um, I was just chatting with some of my uh friends from freshman orientation just last night, right? Birthday celebration. Okay. And we still link up, and it's just that feeling of that family, right? Having a family, still being so close to so many friends and those within the network. But like you said, those experiences they they lay the foundation. They set the foundation for you as you grow into your adulthood. And, you know, with that being said, was an HBCU your first choice? Absolutely, it
1: was. So both of my parents, just to give you a little background, both of my parents um, marched for A&T. They actually met in the band at A&T. And all through my life, they have been active alumni boosters. So I just grew up going to HBCU football games, basketball games. Add to that that I was... Raised in Hampton, Virginia, where you have Hampton University, and then 30 minutes away, you have Norfolk State University. So I was exposed to HBCUs ever since. You know, I can, as far as I can remember. Um, you know, my parents. A lot of times, people tend to think since my parents are so active in A alumni that they forced me to go to A and T. That actually was not the case. That's a common misconception. It is more of, but they, they did tell me that I had to go to an HBCU for undergrad. They were like, I don't care what you do for your master's degree. I don't care what you do for graduate school. But for undergrad, you're going to go to a black college. So it was really up to me which black college I wanted, to be honest, um, and which one I got into. And so that, that's how it happened. I always have been exposed to HBCUs. And so, you know, it was kind of like a no-brainer for me
0: yes yes and that's interesting you know my family my parents actually shared the same thing with me um in undergrad it was like look unless you are getting a full scholarship to go somewhere else you you are going to an hbcu you will get this hbcu experience but um i always i always wanted to go to southern university you know it i applied to different colleges just to say that i did it but su was always my first choice so um i definitely can you know connect with you within that regard like you know You can have different options out there, but it's just something about an HBCU. And when your mind is set on attending one institution, it's like, I have to go there. So definitely. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, when you mentioned the history with your parents marching in the band and how they met. So what age were you actually um, introduced to music? I know them being alumni was probably always a, a part of your environment. But when did you actually become musically inclined? Well, I first took piano lessons
1: when I was 6 years old. So, you know, but, I mean, being exposed to music, it has truly been all my life though, even before I played one note on the piano. My mom actually has a degree in music, so music was always playing around the house. I'm talking about she still had her her Beethoven records from college, you know, that she would play. And so I was always exposed to like classical music. Um, and, of course, you know, the R&B and, and funk that my parents listened to in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and, and 80s. Um, so, so, But as far as an instrument, my first instrument was piano. I was six years old. And then from there, I played the recorder in elementary school. I knew music just always fit for me. My, um, my parents were also kind of athletic, too. They were... Uh, involved in like local, they play rec softball and, and things like that. And and even for like the church that we went to played softball and whatnot, but, and they tried to expose me to athletics, but it just never clicked. I mean, it was okay, but music was always the thing for me. So yeah. it just evolved from there. And then from middle school, once I hit middle school, I played clarinet and um, and then, you know, clarinet, flute, my main instrument, kind of went from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, it it is interesting how much of an influence music, you know, really has over um, just individuals' lives in general and how much that music and the band and um, just the historical and traditional uh, context that it connects to different institutions and universities, right? Like you can't separate the HBCU experience, at least for me personally, without mentioning the connection to the band. Um, The band and when you actually attend different games and different events, it's literally, you know, the entertainment, like you don't want to leave. I was having a, a conversation Just yesterday, uh, because, you know, yesterday was Southern University and Gremlins Bayou Classic, right? And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, this year, the bands didn't play. And I was like, you know, like... I come to the band, I mean, I come to the games to listen to the band. So it was mm-hmm. it was re- really, really hard for me to, to separate the two within the overall experience. And with that being said, you know, you said you were introduced at a very young age, at six years old, was always a part of your environment. It carried on into your, your college and throughout your development. And can you just share with others why the band is so instrumental to that HBCU experience or why it was so important to you personally?
1: Well, I feel like the band at an HBCU is pretty much the face of the university. I mean, when it comes to like the marketing materials and things, you you can't really talk about an HBCU without mentioning the, the uniqueness and you know the pageantry of our program, so I think it's just really an inter- integral part, as much as like you know the classes and the majors that you take um, at a HBCU. I just it's just kind of one and the same. You can't really I don't want to say you can't have one without the other. That that's a little bit over the top there, but I mean it's just so ingrained in the whole culture of going to a black college that you get to hear these bands and you get to have this this kind of experience so it's pretty much one in the same as far as i see it
0: right right and you know would you being a part of that band and having that shared experience as a woman you know connecting it back to women and centering women in our conversations centering women and um different policies and work and everything when we look at like being it being the year of the woman right Um, I I, I look at this year, you know, 2021, 2020 has exposed a lot of positive things, although we went through many hardships uh, throughout the the past year or two. But um, looking at the positivity of highlighting HBCUs, looking at the positivity of women being strong and bold leaders in their own right, um, I think that it's important that we share those experiences of you being a woman in an HBCU Mm -hmm. band, Uh, because, you know, traditionally women are outnumbered in bands, right? And so if you could just elaborate, if there were any obstacles that that you faced as a woman being in an HBCU band, how did that shape you into the woman that you are today?
1: Well, I will tell you overall that HBCU bands being in one gives you a sense of confidence and a sense of pride that you can take with you into your different careers. Um, I will say that a lot of times HBCU, well, I'll say this pretty much most of the time, HBCU bands take on the personality of their director. And my uh, director in college, the late Dr. Johnny B. Hodge, he was very much of the thought that, you know, I don't care if you were a big band. I don't, you know, we... We can handle you. You know what I mean? We're not intimidated by you. We're not scared of you. We're going to come and do our job and do it well. And so that's kind of the attitude that I take into my career as well. I will say that, you know, I was a clarinet player. So, you know, it's stereotypically a female instrument. It's not 100% female. But, I mean, if you look, if you generalize and you stereotype, most clarinet players um, nowadays are, are, are women. Um, so I can't really speak to like, you know, being a minority woman in a mostly male section. Um, when I marched at a t overall, we had a mix of, of men and women. I know you, you being a Southern grad, you know, Southern for a long time, their band was mostly male. It's right. not all male. Right. until mm-hmm. I want to say like maybe the early eighties, maybe mid eighties. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's always been like that for your program, but For A&T, it was was a pretty mixed mixed crowd, but it didn't matter if you were a man or a woman. We all took Dr. Hodges' attitude of, we're not gonna be intimidated by you no matter who you are. So um, I think that is a trait that I am proud to say that I can bring into my um, career being a woman in mostly male spaces. I was an engineering major, which is mostly male, stereotypically male. And so, you know, I was able to bring that, like, within my my workplace.
0: Right. And, you know, I think that's also good advice to give young women who are interested in music, who would be interested in joining an HBCU band, you know, just to be strong and to not be intimidated and just stand in who you are as a woman. Um, Not necessarily it's a competition between male or female, but the only person you should Ever be in competition with uh, actually is yourself, you know, just testing yourself to reach different barriers and break different barriers, and that there are no limitations to how successful you can really be as long as you put your mind to it. So, um, thank you for sharing that. And I know that you are still connected to um, North Carolina A&T and the band and highlighting experiences through your own various projects. Um, could you just give more information about what is the fifth quarter and also your podcast and different things that you have done, different projects that you have done to positively, positively highlight HBCUs and the band experience and how folks can actually um, be connected to these different projects?
1: Well, um I'm, I'm glad you asked me that question because I like to talk about that. <laughs> um, so in, in 1999, myself along with Michael Lee, we created a web community called The Fifth Quarter. And it is dedicated to protecting the history and preserving the craft of HBCU bands. That web community was up for 20 years. Um, we have had so many experiences through those 20 years, for example, you know, we got to interview the cast of Drumline and and those those kinds of things. But it really was, the site was a source for folks that either were thinking about marching in an HBCU band or they were currently in the band or they were an alum. So it was really like an online community and family for, for 20 years. And I will say that, you know, it was pretty much known as a, a huge source for, us to get together and and to find out information on our programs. So, we did that for 20 years. We ended up closing the site in 2019, and I was thinking, you know, I still want to be involved in HBCU bands. Uh, Maybe the website is not the way, but I was a huge fan of podcasts like yours, you know, podcasts such as yours. And so, I was like, you know, there are no podcasts out there that really get the stories of HBCU band alumni, because I really think it's important to document our story, and you know, because it, it's just—it's just important to me because I don't want what we have been through to be lost in the shuffle. So I started a podcast called the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker, and I interview different. A band alumni from different programs, different instruments, different experiences to kind of find out what makes them tick and what made them and how their HBC band helped to make them who they are today. So we have just completed the second season of that. We have 20 interviews. The first interview was with my mom, so I interviewed her on what it was like to march in the HBC band in the in the 1960s and so it was cool to hear her perspective on on those kinds of things and uh so yeah i'm really excited about the podcast we're going to start season three real soon and um it's my way to kind of still keep one toe in the whole subculture of hbc band so i'm i'm excited about that
0: i love it i love that um again of course me being a podcaster I can definitely say that I feel it's very important that we always document our stories because, you know, like you said, if, if we don't tell it, then someone else can actually come in and change it, right? They can change that. And then folks can get a false narrative of what those experiences really are. Um, so again, I appreciate you for creating different projects and being innovative within telling our stories, being innovative so that other folks can feel the excitement about learning more about HBCUs and those experiences that are connected um, with attending an HBCU. So, as we're talking about the different um, platforms and different projects and involvement you have within your life, how do you center self care, right? Uh, and the reason for mm-hmm. me asking that question is again, you know, her story is we talk to women who are always bosses in their own right, but it's always a balance, and it's so many different things that are going on, and as it relates again to the year of the woman, so many times we push ourselves beyond the limit, right? And we don't center self, and Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, personally have battled with this in the past. Just outside of me being a podcaster and having other personal projects, I do a lot of policy and advocacy work throughout the state, um, and you know, focused on amplifying the voices of those in Black and Brown communities, BIPOC communities, and the the work is tedious, right? And a lot of times when you pour, 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 and no one is pouring into you, it can definitely drain you out. So I always want to center whatever conversation I have with my guess back to self-reflection and centering self-care so how are you able to do that oh my goodness I (laughs) oh
1: I will be the first to tell you that I am not the expert on this but I do try to do some things so well first of all I have a group of friends who I communicate with we we're all in career services industry we're on the career services industry and we get together online, of course, once a week to just for an hour to just kind of debrief on how we've been. I, I feel like the sense of community that that has been a, a casualty of the pandemic. And so it's really important for me to have my, my friend group who I keep in contact with so that, you know, I can vent to them and they can vent to me and, you know, a lot of times that makes me feel like I'm not alone. So I feel like talking with my friends is a form of self-care. Personally, I try to work out. I, You know, in the in the wintertime, I'm not going to lie and say, you know, I was on it every day. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to get it back on track as far as working out. So, like, I've joined um, a, a gym and, you know, on rainy days, I have no excuse because I can just go to the gym and not run outside like I usually would do. And also, I try to do things like not check my work email on the weekends. I'm, I'm going to say I'm not 100% great on that. Yeah. But, <laughs> you, you, know, <laughs> you know, just I love the, the feature on, like, email where you can have an email sent later. Like, you can tell it what day and what time you want it sent. It just makes me feel good that I... I'm like okay, yeah, I did send that email. It's just gonna go out on Monday. So um, you know, try not to check out check my email too much on the on the weekend. And yeah, it's 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 hard. Um, trying to eat right, <laughs> it's, it's a balancing act, and, and you know, keeping relationships with, with my family. Trying oh, another thing, my family. We have a a voice. We have a Zoom meeting every week with my extended family, my aunts and uncles and, and cousins and whatnot. Uh, my mom is included on that. Uh, his, it's her side of the family. And so, you know, just trying to check in with people and, and and establish a sense of community that that's really important to me.
0: Yes, that sense of community is is always important. It's, it mm-hmm. should be, um, you know, centered in everything that we really do. But uh, again, you know, thank you for sharing that because I, I always think that it is important that Even when a woman, or just anyone in general, sometimes we appear to be so strong that, like, hey, everyone is human. Everyone has certain um, things that they need to do again, just to center themselves. They can be the best person that they are because you know you can't you can't be your best again uh, if you're if you aren't fully charged. So. Thank you so much, Dr. Walker, um, for sharing your overall experiences, how that has really laid the foundation throughout your entire life, how you're still connected to music, how you're still connected to empowering and providing knowledge to others. All of these things are essential within our culture, within the HBCU culture, within the band culture. Um, and there's intersectionality within everything. So thank you so much for sharing all those experiences and my last question to you, Dr. Christie, is if others are interested in connecting with you within any projects or anything that you have going on, how can they reach out? Do you have any social media handles?
1: Yes, I sure do. Um, so for the podcast, I'm going to touch on the podcast first. Um, my podcast is, again, it's called the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. You can find us on, as far as podcast outlets go, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major podcast areas, you, can, you know, you can pull us up. And then um, the Instagram for that is HBCU Band Experience, and we also have a Facebook page. You can just type in HBCU Band Experience with Chrissy Walker, and then it'll, it'll pop up there. Um, I'm so excited about the book that's about to come out. Um, it'll be out, like you said, at the very beginning, at the at the end of of April, and you'll be able to find it on on Amazon. It's the it's the HBCU Experience dash HBCU Band Alumni Edition. So you know, just type in HBCU Bands <laughs> Amazon. Um, it'll be out, like I said, the end of the month, and 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 you can you can buy the book there. It's going to be so good. It's got so many good stories in it. I'm so excited about it. Um, But, yeah, those are the major things that I'm into. So, you know, the podcast and the book.
0: Yes, yes. So I'm myself super, very, very excited about this uh, HBCU band alumni edition. You know, as I've said, I've been partnering on this project for a little over a year now. So I really enjoy just hearing the different experiences and stories. And with this being the first, um, it it really excites me. So I am looking forward to it. And, you know, folks, there you have it. Dr. Christy A. Walker, who is another phenomenal woman, a boss, a community leader who is giving back and who is still having those connections and providing resources to those where it's necessary within our community. Thank you again so much for uh, joining, Christine. Thank you for, again for having me. This was fun. Yes, definitely, definitely fun. And folks, in closing, always remember your story is not solely for you. It is meant to be shared with other women and provide hope to those facing those very similar situations. You don't have to be ashamed or discouraged to tell your story because at the end of the day, you declare growth and prosperity over your life. You are brilliant, bold and beautiful. You are are her, heroic, empowering, and resilient. If you are encouraged, motivated, or just simply want to learn more about our phenomenal guest today, please listen to Her Story Podcast, Tell a Friend to Tell a Friend. It is available on SoundCloud, on Google Play, as well as Apple Podcasts. My Instagram handle is at herstory underscore podcast, and we are on social media on Facebook at Her Story Podcast. And again, this is just Jay Jameson with her story and we are out.